Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Chris Pistorius, and he is the founder of Kickstart Dental Marketing. Chris, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining. And, uh, you know, before we get started, would you mind letting the people know how they can find you on social media and the internet? Yeah, the best way is just go to my website at uh, kickstartdental.com and you can find all my stuff there. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, you know, let's just kind of start from the top, man, and talk a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up in a little bitty farm town in southern Illinois called Farina, Illinois. And uh, there was, I don't, I think we had 500 people or so, no stoplights. Uh, the only paved road was the main highway through town. So pretty humble, small beginnings and uh, played baseball in high school and college. And then af after college, I uh, uh, went to work for a telecommunications company and got moved out to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I've been in Colorado ever since. I've been out here in the Denver area now for about 20 some years, but married my wife, Michelle. We got two kids. One's in college. The other one's 13 and three golden retrievers. And then a mutt. <laughs> so a little bit of everything going on. Now, that's awesome, man. And, you know, how would you say growing up in Illinois, you know, impacted your outlook on life and success? Yeah, no, I wouldn't have had it any other way, actually, because growing up there in a kind of a rural farm town, you learn a lot of, uh, you know, grassroots type work and how to work hard for a living and, you know, work hard to get what you want. And, um, you know, that combined with, you know, athletics and just, you know, competing, I think that really kind of, uh, grounded me and, and helped me focus on things later in life. Yeah, man. I mean, and what would you say are some lessons that you, um, still have today from playing, collegiate sports I, yeah, a lot like teamwork is a big one because you know when i was in high school i was i was pretty good because i was from a little small area and i was a pitcher and i was really good and then i got to college and i quickly realized that it's not all about me because everybody on my college team was as good as me if not better so i got humbled really quickly in that environment but it, it taught me how to you know work in a team environment how to communicate um, how to compete, how to win, how to lose, because um, those are definitely two things you need to learn in business. Um, the camaraderie and just, you know, having fun. It, it taught me so much. Yeah, man. And I think, you know, that's one of the most important lessons that I learned from playing sports growing up is just being able to to lose or, or to take rejection, man, because it's, um, yeah. it's something that happens often in life, like, you know, being rejected or or. <laughs> not getting what you want right at the moment, but it's important to understand how to persevere through through those obstacles and just keep pushing forward, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you, I, one of my first jobs when I was still in college was I was a tele a, uh, telemarketer. And back, I mean, I'm old, but back in the day, we were like selling long distance online or not online. There wasn't even online, but we sell long distance over the phone. So we'd call people in the evenings like this time of night when they're eating dinner and trying to sell them stuff over the phone. And you want to talk about learning to handle rejection. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely one of the ways to do it as well. <laughs> Man, how rough was that experience? I can imagine it. You weren't met with a lot of, uh, you know, happy, happy people no. at that moment yeah but man i'll tell you what you know that's kind of it's called the humble beginnings because it's humble because you know i, I thought about you know instead of working my ass off on a farm or you know doing construction or whatever for 10 or 12 hours a day i couldn't believe that i could actually probably make more money you know sitting in a nice air-conditioned office just talking to people on the phone so for me it was like you know if i could do this well i don't have to work you know you know, for half the money and, and work a lot harder. So for me, it was like, it was a good thing. So, um, but yeah, it, you got to learn, you know, it's, you know, I tell salespeople this all the time, you know, cause they, today's salespeople, you know, they get rejected and turned and they, you know, kind of gets in their mind. And I'm like, you know, you can't focus on, you know, the 98 people that said no today, you have to focus on the two people that said yes. Right. And if you can focus on those two people, then you learn to let the 98 others roll off your back. And I learned that in the telemarketing, because if it's kind of like being a quarterback in football, man, if you if you can't forget that last interception, you're not going to you're not going to be very good. So it's kind of the same principle. Yeah, man, you got to have that short memory. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, and, it, and it is important to kind of lock in and focus on those wins. But I mean, I think you said something important, you know, that early on you realized 
hey, I can make money by sitting in the office versus, you know, working on the farm or doing construction. Yeah. So, you know, when you decided to take that route or take that path, was it, um, you know, an unusual decision at that time? Like, meaning, you know, was most of your family used to kind of working on farms or working in construction? Did they understand yeah. your choices? No, hell no. Uh, they, uh, not so much my family, you know, but my friends was the big thing because they couldn't comprehend. Like, what, what do you mean you, you can make more money, you know, doing this? Because, you know, when you're in those small towns and not nothing wrong with that at all, but, you know, very few people, you know, a smaller percentage actually ever make it out of that town. They just work there locally and they have farm ground and whatnot. And, you know, that's definitely what makes the world go around. But I knew early on it wasn't for me. Right. So it was, I wouldn't say it was unpopular, but it was kind of like a, you're crazy. What are you thinking? You'll be back here in a couple months type thing. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, once you um, made that transition from Illinois to Denver and, and, and in that bigger city lifestyle, you know, how was that move for you? Was it a culture shock? Is it something that you kind of caught on to quickly? What was that transition like for you? Yeah, so I kind of stair-stepped that. So like when I, when I was in high school, like I said, it was a town of 500 people, but then I went to a college, was, I think there was 15,000 people in that town. And then my first stop before Colorado actually was uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is, I don't know, a hundred and some thousand probably. So I kind of stair-stepped up a little bit, so it wasn't a total shock, but yeah, I mean, I went from, you know, a hundred thousand to a million probably. And so that was, that was, you know, just a way of doing things and, you know, traffic and, you know, just yeah. things like that kind of hustle and bustle definitely took some getting used to. Exactly, man. And, you know, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned Cedar Rapids and the, the Iowa area, Des Moines. I, I, that area is, is on the rise right now, man, especially Des Moines and, and people are moving there. And it's a, it's a popular yeah. area, man. I'm looking at, I was thinking about uh, possibly buying some real estate out there and getting some mm. rental income going, but I've been I've been doing some studying on on uh, Iowa for sure. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's just it's just the weather thing, man. You know, it's gets yeah. hot summer and cold in the winter, right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you know, let's just kind of transition and, and, and talk a little bit more about you know your current company that you've been growing and building. Um, you know, so I want to ask, what is Kickstart Dental Marketing? Yeah, so it's a it's a marketing agency built specifically for dental practices. So basically, it's our job when somebody hires us to make sure that when somebody's looking for a dentist in their local market, that they're found and chosen. It's two different things. Being found is one thing, but writing a compelling enough story digitally um, to make somebody want to actually take action and call you and become a customer. It's a whole different thing. So that's what we really try to focus on. Most of our uh, marketing strategies are wrapped around digital marketing, but you know we're not limited to that. We can do all kinds of different stuff. Um, so I've owned the company. I started the agency about 13 years ago now and um, haven't really looked back since. So how did you get started in this industry? You know, it's such a niche market to focus on, specifically on yeah. uh, dental marketing, which I think is a genius idea. I know that's one of the first things that they tell you to do is, is kind of find your niche, find your lane, yeah. and, and then just attack and execute. So how did you get started in, in uh, this industry? Yeah, great question. I get asked that one a lot. Like, why the hell do you want to work with dentists? But <laughs> it, it's funny because when I first started, I quit a job with, uh, this is going to really tell you how old I am. I worked for uh, AOL or America Online back <laughs> in the day, right? Yeah. So I was doing national ad sales for them. And I learned a lot about digital marketing then, but that was back in the day, man, where, you know, it was so bare bones. I mean, we were just selling banner ads basically, and nobody knew what to do with them. But, you know, I learned also a lot about things that, you know, you shouldn't do. And I, but more compelling, I saw this huge need in the marketplace of the small and medium sized business owner that before they could just do a simple direct mail strategy, buy some yellow page ads and they were good to go. And it worked pretty well for them. But once online hit, man, it, there's 500 places a small business could go and buy advertising right now. And so it, it created this huge question mark with business owners on what am I supposed to do now, right? Where should I spend my money? And so that's when I decided to leave AOL, create this, this agency and help clients. But I started, I took on anybody that would hire me, dentists, lawyers, um, auto repair guys, because I quit a pretty good job and, you know, I needed money. So we took on everybody in the beginning. But, um, you know, what we found was that, you know, 
we'd figure out how to market for an attorney and then we'd get an auto body guy and we'd have to figure that out all over again. And honestly, by the time we did that, sometimes it was too late and we didn't get great results for our clients because we had to learn their whole language basically, right? Marketing language. So we're like, we need to niche down. And I, I heard this guy speak at a conference. His name was Josh Nelson. Uh, he owns a, a, a mastermind group called the Seven Figure Agency. And he has his own agency as well for plumbers and HVAC people. And he's the one that really talked a lot about you need to niche down. You need to be an expert in something. It took me a little convincing. It took me about a year of listening to his stuff and like, man, why would I want to limit my opportunities? Right. But um, I did it. I, you know, I kept the clients that I had, but anything new that came in was all focused in dental. And we chose dental because at the time we had five or six dentists. And we were doing well for them and they always paid their bills, which is great. And they're pretty easy to work with. So we decided let's get into dentistry, even though dentistry is probably one of the most competitive markets because everybody wants to sell the dentists, right? So we really knew that we had to have our sales game and our offerings good, but you know, that's how I got into it. That's how I started to niche down. It was really from a mentor from that seven figure agency group and, you know, a member of his. So it's been great. You know, it's like the older I get and the, the longer I stay in business and trying to grow uh, my business and my podcast and the online brand, the more I see the importance of marketing and that, you know, you really can't survive without it. I know most businesses, when they get started, well, I know for me especially, I was like, uh, how how important is the marketing piece? But now, you know, I understand, I believe it's a quote, it's like, uh, he who controls the images controls minds. So... Mm. You know, it just it just um, reiterates the power and the importance of, of just having a good marketing behind whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, without question. I totally agree with that. So, I mean, has the Internet, the, the, the boom of the Internet and social media, has that made it any tougher for your business or presented any new obstacles? Or do you guys use that to your benefit? Like, how, how has that impacted your business? Yeah, so it's it's it, it's just something that you've got to stay on top on, stay on top of. And what I mean by that is that it's always changing. It's very digital marketing is very volatile. You know, what worked last month may not work this month, right? And so you've got to have somebody that can stay on top of it and understand new things that are happening and new strategies that are coming in place and really get ahead of them. Like TikTok's big right now for us. We're really trying to get out in front of that because what we're seeing is that you know, back in the day with Facebook, it was really all kids that were using that in the beginning. And then slowly over time, you know, the, the user age went up and now it's mostly like 40 year olds, right? We're using Facebook. Well, TikTok is doing the same thing, but it's doing it much more rapidly. It's like making a hockey stick. And so the average user age is, is really going up almost every month now. So we're testing things. And so it's things like that, that make things more complex for us because we can't just start spending our clients money on on stuff that's not going to convert for them. So it's just important to stay on top of it, new trends, and just try to forecast out what we need to get involved in. What are some of the best ways to grow a local business online? It depends a little bit about the business. And the reason I say that, and one thing that you need to focus on as a local business, whether you're a dentist or a plumber or whatever, is that you have to understand who your ideal customer is. Once you understand them demographically, that will help. So you have to know age, race, religion, if you can, income, things like that. And you have to put that on paper and say, this is exactly the type of person demographically I want to walk into my store, right? And then what your job is, is to make sure you then figure out where those people congregate, whether it's online or typically online. And then once you figure out where they congregate, then you get your message in front of them in those spots that they congregate. So very early on, we work with our clients about who's your ideal customer? Who do you want to walk through the door? Is it the 25 to 35 year old female of two and a half kids and a golden retriever? Or is it something else? We agree to it, we put it on paper, and then it's our job to go out and get their, our client's message in front of them. But secondly to that, you're not always, you, there's always going to be competition almost no matter what you do these days. So you also have to put your USP in position, your unique selling proposition. What makes you better? Why should somebody go with your company versus the 10 other that are in town, right? And you put that on paper as well, and you make sure everybody in your business knows it. 
so that everybody's saying the same thing and that your marketing saying the same thing as well. And once you have those two things in place, that's when you can start coming up with the marketing strategy itself and figuring out what's going to work best for you based off what their USP is and what their target demographics are. So if you if you go to work with a potential client and they're not quite sure yet who their uh, target audience is or who their demographic is or, you know, what would you suggest to them? Would you tell them we'll come back later once you have more of an idea or do you try to help them kind of hone in on who to focus on? Yeah, we help them. That's a big part of what we do. So our first meeting is kind of the kickoff meeting with new clients and we get into that pretty heavily. And most, quite frankly, uh, Wesley, most people don't know what that is. They don't, it's scary. They don't know their numbers of their business. And what I mean by that, not only do they not know who their ideal um, customers are, but sometimes they don't even know like what their gross profit margin is. They don't know net profit. And, you know, some people might think, well, what, what does that have to do with marketing? And man, it's got everything to do with marketing. Because if you don't understand how much each customer is worth to you, like a net profit, then how can you ever know how much to budget for marketing or anything else? So we get into those types of, I mean, we go pretty deep. We're not just like a, you know, we don't want to be like a gold, bronze, silver marketing package. Here you go for $59 a month. We want our marketing to actually get results for our clients. And the only way to do that that I know of is take the time and, and put all that stuff into place first. What tips can you give local businesses to increase their visibility online? The number one is probably uh, a section of Google and it's called, it used to be called Google My Business up to a, about a month or so ago. And they've changed the name now to Google Business Places, I think it is now. But it's like if you do a search with a geo modifier, like the city or state or zip code, um, a little section in Google will pop up with a map and like three or four listings next to it. That's the section I'm talking about. And everybody gets a, it's a free profile. Every business should have one. I mean, if you don't have one, you can easily go and create one and just optimize the heck out of that. Like fill everything out that you can. And there's a lot there, business description, photos, um, you know, the title of your business, hours of operation, all kinds of stuff. Go in and fill all that stuff out to the max. Now there's tricks and tips on how to optimize it further, but my number one goal with, for you would be to fill that out first. That will help your visibility online just by doing that. So, I mean, you mentioned something pretty interesting earlier where you were uh, talking about just TikTok, how your company is, is utilizing TikTok and mm -hmm. gaining a lot of traction. Um, I mean, so what would you say to someone who is just starting out on TikTok and wanting to use that to, uh, you know, grow and expand their brand? Um, just, just as far as like getting started, you know, people may not be yeah. used to uh, creating online content right. in that format. So what, what would you tell that person? That's the biggest thing is just understand what the platform is. You've got to be willing to create content or it's not going to work in the form of video. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything professional, right? You can just, you know, typically use your phone. These are pretty badass phones, honestly. Um, and that's the that's what TikTok prefers. But you need to have a content plan, right? It's like sit down and schedule like a month's worth of content, you know, block off an hour a day or whatever it's going to take and just come up with topics and things that you want to talk about and study it, see what other businesses are doing on TikTok. I mean, if you're going to do TikTok, you're going to do TikTok, which means that you've got to be a part of the community. You've got to watch other people's videos, see ads that pop up and how they do things, go join uh, community groups. Like I'm part of that mastermind group. They've got those for TikTok ads and just learn as much as you possibly can, or go out and hire an agency like mine to do it for you. But you know, I know there's a lot of companies that aren't in a position to want to do that. They want to figure it out themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, but you got a plan, you got to learn, and then you got to commit to it. You can't just part-time do it or it's not going to work for you. You've got to really stay with it and do it, you know, almost every day. What are the KPIs or, or the key performance uh, indicators that matter the most to you? What, what is your company focusing on? It's all about bottom line revenue. That's what any, and nothing else matters. Everything else is just a, a, a part of the strategy of getting to the bottom line number, right? So marketing should be returning your investment by three, five, seven dollars to every dollar you spend in it. You know, marketing shouldn't be considered like an electro, electrical bill or a hard cost. 
They should be making you money if you're doing it right. So the only thing that can matter in marketing is, is it, is it increasing your bottom line? So that's the biggest KPI. Now there's other KPIs we have that lead to that. Like, you know, how many clicks does an ad get, right? How many people saw the ad? Where do you rank on Google for this keyword, that keyword? You know, how many social media views did you get? That's all great. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, if it's not driving new customers, it doesn't matter. Yeah, man. And that's something I struggle with personally, um, you know, with my business trying to it is staying consistent with my marketing budget, uh, you know, whether it's, it's doing it monthly, I, I'm kind of hit or miss when it comes to promoting and, and, and putting money behind it. So what do you suggest for your clients? Is this a, is this a monthly thing you, you were mentioning, like understanding your budget and your your um, profit and, and revenue? Is this a monthly thing that you encourage your your clients to invest in? Yeah, no question. Take 7% of your gross earnings and just put it away in a marketing budget every month. Transfer it to a bank account that's called marketing. It just goes straight in there. You don't ever see it. You don't touch it until it's time to spend it in marketing. Um, you can even, you can go higher than that. Most financial consultants or business consultants will say anywhere between five and 10%. So I kind of go with seven. It depends on like our client, like how aggressive they want to be or you know, it's some like newer practices need to market a little bit more. Um, but yeah, just do it, commit to it. And it's just a, it, like I said, man, if, once you get it going, it'll take a little while, but once it gets going, it's not costing you anything. It's making you money. So that's the biggest thing to think about. So, you know, you mentioned that bottom line is, is uh, one of the most important factors to look at and to study and to understand, but, and this may be, a circular question but how do you know or how does the client know when the marketing is working how can they tell that oh this is coming from kickstart dental marketing how, how can they tell when it's successful yeah great question um i worked really hard on this so um we actually have a team of people that will look at every lead that our campaigns generate so if they we use call tracking we listen to oh sorry about that hold on a second You gotta love working from home. Sorry about that. Nah, no problem. Yeah, so um, basically we have a team of people that do nothing but analyze every lead that comes in for our client, right? So we listen to every phone call. We look at every form that's filled out. If it's a text to chat lead, um, we look at that and we can determine number one, is it a good lead? And then we take in all the details. We make notes on the call um, and we collect those every month. So that when we meet with our client, we can go over those results and say, look, you got this from TikTok ads, you got this from Google organic, you got this from Google paid ads. And obviously we can tell the source of everything as well. So we really try to make it as much of a no brainer for them as possible because selfishly, we've got to prove our value to them or they're going to, they're not going to continue with us. So we do it for that, but we also do it so that they can track on their end, you know, what kind of revenue is it generating and what can they expect? how important is the education piece um to your business maybe you know as far as like you said you sit down with clients and have kind of a consultation with them and, and find these uh maybe different demographics different targets but but what is there much edu educating or convincing that that has to be done or does every business owner pretty much come to you with the understanding of hey marketing is important this is a service that we need this is something that we need in our business to thrive and be successful yeah so it's actually one of our conditions is that you know we don't work with everybody um and i don't mean that to sound selfish or arrogant it's just we don't feel as though our ideal client is somebody we have to talk in, into why they need to market they really need to be ready for that before they come to us and if they're not then we kind of refer them out and say look we're, you're not quite ready for us yet right so one of our one of our criteria is that you know you're probably already doing marketing now you just need some help trying to figure out where you're supposed to do it and some professional strategy around it so yes absolutely how has you know podcasting helped to build your business as well as your personal brand it's done a lot and you know it's it's um it's one of those things that helps me build credibility and authority 
because, you know, I take these podcasts and I take my own podcasts and I promote those everywhere. And people hear me giving away great information, or at least what I hope is great, <laughs> free advice, free tips on how, what they can do. And that builds some confidence in potential clients that, you know, they can kind of hear me before I, before they even speak to me and they can go to my website and see all these episodes that I've done with people in the dental industry, right. Or people like yourself. And it just, it helps build, excuse, build brand and authority. And it's, you know, it, it's one of those things you can't always measure exactly like I want to, you know, I can't say that I got this exact many clients from just doing podcasting, but I can tell you that once I started doing podcasting that our new business leads definitely increased. For sure. I mean, and, you know, one thing that I love about podcasting is, you know, just a chance to uh, network and develop and create new relationships. Um, you know, meet new people and also hear interesting stories and uh, learn different perspectives about business, um, you know, which kind of leads me to my next question. You know, you mentioned that early on you attended a kind of mastermind um, event mm -hmm. and you had a mentor who kind of helped open your eyes and, and let you know which direction you should go with your business. So what would you say is the importance of, you know, networking and building relationships as well as having mentors um, who've done the things that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, it's massive, Wesley. It's, uh, you know, I'm really an introvert. A lot of people might be surprised by that, but you get me out of kind of like this light, if you will. And I don't really enjoy like going to social events and networking like business wise. Um, it's not like, it's hard for me to walk up to somebody and introduce myself. I don't really like to do that, but when you get a part of like the, one of these mastermind groups, like I'm involved in, it's a setting where there's, I mean, there's over a hundred other agencies like mine in all different industries focused on something. And they just, it's like, we have speakers come up and talk about what's going on, what's going, you know, well, it's kind of like a family. Everybody's kind of looking out for each other. And just by getting to know those people over time, we've got a Facebook group too, that people run ideas by each other. And if, you know, something's working great for a client, they, they talk about it. And it's just been, it's been so uh, immensely beneficial because, you know, other people in my doing what I do, right. Talking about the same problems I have every day, you know, it, it's just, it's a huge benefit. And everybody every industry has this if you're a plumber there's a there's tons of plumber associations right where you can go and hang out and talk to other plumbers or attorneys or auto body guys right they all have their own niche events and i would definitely recommend getting involved with that because it's you know it's just i can't tell you how much i've benefited from that yeah man i mean you mentioned something super interesting which is uh you know facebook groups where, where yeah. you where you get the chance to kind of build your own community um, and just meet people, different people throughout that group as well. It's just like another avenue to mm -hmm. spread the word, uh, meet people and, and build community. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you what is your outlook on that Facebook group and, and finding different ways to build community? The, the only problem, like what I was talking about specifically was the mastermind group that I'm already a part of has its okay. own group but there's tons of Facebook groups out there. The only problem that I've had with other ones is that you don't know for sure in, until you really get involved in it, you're not for sure if it's gonna be a good group or, and unfortunately I get involved with some of those groups and it turns out just to be everybody's trying to sell something, right? Yeah. Everybody's just posting about their service or their consulting and that's not what you're looking for with this. You want other people that are actually in your same boat. So my advice there would be just try them out. You know, you don't have to spend hours a day doing it, but just watch, sit back and watch how people comment in these and look at past comments and see if people are actually giving you helpful advice or they're just trying to sell you something. The ones that are just trying to sell you something, remove yourself and move on. So, you know, we're we're coming out of a, a pandemic and um, it, it impacted a lot of businesses and, and a lot of different companies. I mean, and I can imagine you know, just kind of being in the dental field in, in this industry, um, you know, a points could have been missed or people may maybe wanted to stay home and play it safe versus going out and, and going to the dentist. So, I mean, how, how did the pandemic impact your business? 
Yeah, it was big. I mean, in fact, they mandated, I think, pretty much every dental practice in the country had to shut down for at least 30 days. And there were some that were out several months. Um, so, you know, of the, at the time, 70, 60, 70, some clients we had, nobody was in business for at least 30 days. <laughs> so it's hard to, it's hard to talk to people about marketing their practice or their business when they're not even open and they're not receiving any income. Right. So it was a pretty dramatic impact. And, you know, the strategy we took with that was one of communication. I did more video content in those few months than I think I did ever. And I really turned myself into like, for instance, one thing that we did was, you know, the PPP loans that came out and the government assistance programs for businesses. I got all up in that. So I learned everything I could about it. And then I would do short videos about it, helping dentists, you know, apply for that money. Because I really thought that if we could get them, help them get that money, then we can also talk to them about this is a great time to market. This isn't a time to let your foot off the accelerator. And so my message was, hey, let's go get this money. I'll help you do it with free advice. And then secondly, this is our chance, right? All your competition is going to let off the gas because they're they're thinking shut down, shut down, shut down. We have to be at the forefront and see the light at the end of the tunnel, keep our gas on the accelerator as much as we can and come out of this thing ahead of our competition. So that was the whole messaging and it worked out pretty well. We lost some clients, we did. We had some clients that put their campaigns on pause, but surprisingly enough, only about 50% of our clients, I say only, but only about 50% of our clients actually paused their campaigns at all. The other half of our clients full board ahead. So I, I think we were very fortunate. We came out of it strong, um, but it, it definitely COVID had a huge impact on our business and our growth rate for sure. Man, I think it's, you know, I think that is the true embodiment of entrepreneurship, which you just mentioned, like, um, you know, the world shut down, you know, the average person <laughs> could have just said, I'm not doing anything, I, I'm, I'm giving up or I'm taking a break. But you took the time to like educate yourself on something new, something that could benefit your clients. And, you know, you took the initiative to, um, you know, step out there and be the leader and kind of be that teacher and help them. So, I mean, I just think that's like what true entre entrepreneurship is, man, and what it's all about. It's just constantly learning and constantly striving to uh, provide solutions for your clients. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you get pretty creative when your back's against the wall, you know, and I think you're right. Entrepreneurs are, you know, a lot of them can thrive in situations like that because, you know, we're creative enough to figure out a way, but I got to tell you that mentor group I'm a part of helped a lot too, because, you know, a lot of other people were in the same boat as me and, you know, they started talking about ideas they had and, you know, I didn't think of all that stuff myself. I had a peer group that, you know, we're all trying to fight through it together. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, once you're desperate, <laughs> you, you come up with some creative solutions. So, I mean, you've mentioned that you, um, worked at AOL for a while. But you know, what I want to ask is, how did you focus on building your business IQ and building your business acumen? Was it through, you know, these master classes or mentorship or books? Like, how, how did you focus on learning how to, uh, you know, run, grow and expand a company? It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of those different things that you just mentioned. You know, the mentorship was big. Um, I, I wish I could sit down. I don't know if I have ADD or whatever, but it's hard for me to sit down and read a book, you know, and it's hard for me just to sit still long enough. This is kind of how I'm wired, but I definitely recommend it to anybody because I force myself to do it. And reading books has, has helped me a lot, um, even though I'm not good at it. Um, but I think it's a mix of all that stuff and just always being curious, right? Like, and that's a double-edged sword, by the way, because I'm always the kind of like, yeah, things are good, but how could I make it better? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm never satisfied, you know, and that can be a detriment to you as well, because sometimes you've got to understand and you can't get like the shiny object syndrome. I, I've heard it called, whereas things are floating along and all of a sudden somebody comes out with a new product or service that you think could probably help you out. And you go down that rabbit hole and you waste a ton of time and money trying to do it. And you're like, wait, what am I doing? I've got a good solid business. I don't even need this. So you've got to be disciplined with that. But again, you know, to your point, I think that's what entrepreneurs, that's kind of their drive is I don't think many of us, including yourself, I'm sure, have ever really that satisfied. 
because you know we're always tinkering right so you know it's it's a double-edged sword but i think it's all those things you mentioned is really you know how i stay on top of things so is entrepreneurship like something that you've always been interested in or is it a skill that a skill and the interest that kind of developed over time i think it was over time i mean like i said my my upbringing there weren't a lot of entrepreneurs right i mean there was you know retail owners like the local uh, grocery store those kinds of people but i didn't really even start learning about it until college probably um and then you know i just got tired of working for companies you know that all had you know i worked for some big companies over the not just aol but others that you know it was all about the stock price you know and it was very little about us caring about actual local businesses and the stuff that we sell to them actually working you know and and that that weighed on me a little bit right so you know a lot of times we sold advertising products to people that we didn't know if it was going to work or not but you know we had to hit the a certain stock price and so that's a lot of the reason that drove me to start figuring this out on my own and becoming an entrepreneur and you know failing at it and you know nothing wrong with failing as long as you fail fast right and so you can learn from it and keep moving but you know i think i think probably it, it was over several years is when i kind of and i'm still trying to figure the whole thing out so yeah i mean that's it's definitely a, a constant learning thing like you know you yeah. I feel like you can never really master business and entrepreneurship because it's always evolving um but you know you, you mentioned that growing up you were big into sports man you played baseball and and yeah. you know um enjoyed the aspects of the of the team and camaraderie and the competitiveness of it so you know what would you say is the importance of having a team today at kickstart dental marketing and how did you focus on building your team out yeah, well, the team's everything because I've got to be honest, in the first few years trying to figure this thing out, I didn't really build a company. I really just created a job for myself, right? Because I had one other person that was working with me and we did everything. So I do the sales and we build the website then we do the SEO. We're doing it all ourselves. And I'm like, I'm like, if I want to go on vacation for a week or so, this whole business pretty much shuts down because I don't have a company. I've just got a job. Right. Yeah. And so I read a book. It's, I think it was called E-Myth Revisited. I strongly recommend it to anybody who hasn't read it. And it talks about that, like how to work on your business instead of in your business. Right. And I took that to heart. I had to read it two or three times to really get it. But, you know, and they talk about you've got to you've got to build like a system, like a machine. And then you hire people to run that machine that you've built. Right. And that's the only true way to get yourself out of the business. And so that as soon as I figured that out and I started hiring people to run this thing and grow, 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 hire somebody, grow, 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 hire somebody, you know, that's when I felt like I actually had a company. Right. And but if you don't have that team, you don't really have much of anything. So, you know, how I did it and, you know, may, may work for other people is that I wrote down a list of everything that we that I was doing right on a daily basis. And then I put in order the things that I hated to do the most and put them at the top of the list. For me, it was like HR and it was like payroll and it was like, um, I'm not very good with like management. So those were all very high on my list. And so I started, started hiring. Those are the positions that I would fill first, right? The things that I weren't really good at. So that's how I did it. Now, I'm not saying you just go out there and hire a bunch of people, right? You gotta, you gotta make sure you've got the revenue to do that. But, you know, it's always hire slow, fire fast for me, right? Because you don't want to overdo it. You want to make sure you have revenue coming in, but you've got to make sure you've got the right people in place. Because if you don't, that's going to put a cog in your machine and it's not going to, it's not going to run well. So you've got to hire the right kind of people too. But the team is everything. If you don't have that, if you don't have a team you can rely on, I don't, in my opinion, you don't really have a company or a business. You have a job. Was it ever difficult for you to kind of turn over the reins to certain um, tasks or, you know, just kind of giving up a little bit of that control? Was that ever difficult for you? It still is, man. I got to be honest. It was, you know, I guess I'm kind of a control freak a little bit because it's been really hard over the years to, you know, like, hey, well, you're now in charge of account management. 
don't lose my clients. Right. But it's, it's hard to stay out of it, but, um, because it's your baby, you know, and you can never hire somebody, you know, that hasn't have ownership in the company to really love it and care for it as much as you will. Right. You just know that going into it. Okay. But, um, you've got to let go of that stuff. And there's been many of cases where I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's doing this way better than I could have. <laughs> and that's a great feeling, right? So I still have trouble with it today. And we've got 12 employees, I think. Um, but you know, you've got to empower them, let them do their thing and run with it. You just gotta you just gotta hope that you're hiring the right people and you're training them well. How do you personally focus on uh business development and, and growing your company and finding new clients? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, you know, we're fortunate enough right now that we've been doing it for so long, we get a lot of inbound inquiries. So we get a lot of people reaching out to us, you know, and it took me a long time to get us to that point. But once you can get your business to where people are inquiring into you, it changes everything. And it makes it so much easier because it changes the conversation. You know, you're not necessarily trying to sell them. It turns, you know, I get very, I talk to every one of our new clients. I'm the first person that they talk to, right? Cause I've always been into sales and I talk to them a lot about, you know, we're exclusive. We only work with one practice in each market. We only take on a certain number of new clients every year. Um, we're small, we, 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 will, we will fail for sure. But if we do, it's gonna be, we're gonna fail fast. And they love to hear things like that, right? And, but it's hard to do that if you're just cold calling and saying, Hey, I'm Chris and we're small and, you know, we're going to fail. <laughs> it doesn't work as well when you do that. Trust me. Um, but to get to that point, man, I, I wish I had some cool like funnel I could share with everybody and say, Hey, do this. But honestly, the way I did it is I just did the Mark Cuban approach where I started knocking indoors. I would just walk into dental practices, say, hey, I'm Chris, you need to work with me. Let's let's get a lot of new patients and here's my information. And then when I wasn't doing it, I'd hire somebody just physically to walk into walk into dental practices and introduce themselves, leave some information, but leave there with the contact person so that I could then follow up with my automated marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was very grassroots. It was nice. very kind of, you know, direct is how I started it. And then once you know, I got a few clients in, I, I took on my first few clients and gave a pretty big discount. So in turn, I would have them then give me a review, uh, a video review and a review on Google, you know, and I could build those up and then I could use those for others and it just kind of snowballed, right? Um, so that's really how I started it. And now we've got a big enough name where we get a lot of inbound inquiries. But as I say that, you know, I see the economy turning a little sideways for us probably pretty soon. Nobody knows how bad that's going to be or if it's even going to be right. But I'm doing some things to prepare us for that. And one of those things is to do more outbound marketing, make sure that our name's out there, because I think things will slow down a little bit. Is I think it's pretty cool, um, the thought and the idea of like compounding interest. So it's like <laughs> the more you do something, the more things are attracted to you so it's like the more podcast interviews i do the more guests that want to be on the podcast and right. i'm sure it's the same for your practice like you know the more uh successful um jobs you perform the right. more clients want to come on board and i'm sure they also really appreciate the the, the part where you mentioned like this is exclusive so a lot of clients like that exclusivity like you know just having that kind of rare thing working with the only person in the market who's working with this client so i mean i think that's a really yep. good approach as well as like just going in saying hello my name is chris leaving leaving your contact information but also getting someone else getting the business's contact information that's a great piece of advice right there yeah, it's it's because you can do so much with that data. They go right in my database and they may not be ready to buy then, but you know, in a month they might be able to or in a year. Right. And so you, you kind of build your pipeline that way. It's all numbers, right? I mean, anybody that's an entrepreneur is probably good at sales and they realize that when you start a business, you know, maybe it's 50 calls you got to make a day, right? To get one sale for the month, know your numbers, right? And maybe it's a hundred. Maybe it's 75, right? But know that it's gonna take me a hundred times to contact somebody to get one sale for the month, right? And then work backwards to that. And then once you get those first customers, 
and you can use your reviews and testimonials that you're getting, then that will compound. And then it'll be, you know, you'll get two or three customers for every hundred calls, right? But you got to have the want to, it's going to be tiring work and, you know, you got to have unlimited energy. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, what would you say is, is your favorite part about the business? Is it going out there, getting the new customers? Is it, um, you know, bringing a client a, a success story? Yeah. Which, which aspect is your favorite? Honestly, it's just, you know, we have clients that come to us that you wouldn't think this with dentistry, but to come to us just about ready to close up shop sometimes. And we're kind of like the last lifeline. And I don't like that. Honestly, I don't really, because I don't, that's a lot of pressure to put on a marketing agency. Right. And sometimes we just like, you know what, this isn't a good fit for us, but when we can take on a client like that and turn it around and turn them into not only going from struggle, but to adding more practices and buying more practices and expanding, that's what it's all about, man. When you can do that, you change lives, right? Because, you know, once you have a successful business and you build it the right way and you help clients do that, you're not just helping them make money. You know, you're helping them have more time with their families, you know, spending more time on vacations. You know, it just changes their life. And, you know, for us to be even just a small part of that, you know, is, you know, that's that's the stuff that that's the for sure by far the favorite part of that for us. What would you say are some roadblocks or obstacles or even lessons that you learned just early on throughout your entrepreneurship journey? I think the biggest thing I'm, I'm going to kind of reference back to the niche thing was just trying to be everything to everybody, you know, and I don't think there's a lot of agencies that still do it today. Don't get me wrong, but it made such a profound impact on us in a, in a great way. It took us just from like going everywhere to being laser focused in dentistry. And it, it made us so much more efficient and made our marketing efforts cheaper and more efficient because we didn't have to market to everybody, just market to dentists. Right. And so I think that, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would have started that way. Right. But I didn't know better. <laughs> and you just don't know what you don't know. Right. But I think that was probably, um, you know, the biggest impact for us. I'm, I'm not sure we'd still be in business if we hadn't have done that. So, you know, how do you define success as a founder and as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that that's with my employees, because, you know, one of the things I really didn't think about, you know, when I started building a team, right, after I quit just making a job for myself, when I actually built a business, was that I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna hire all these people. And then, you know, I hired a few people. And I was like, Oh, crap, you know what, these people rely on me now, right? Their families rely on this income, right? And, you know, it's not just a spreadsheet anymore, right? And, so that kind of hit me a little bit. And, and so for me, I think probably what I consider success is being able to build and grow a business that others can rely on me and my company, six company success, meaning they can feed their families. They can go on vacations. They have an opportunity to make more money as we get bigger and do different things. Um, for me, that's, that's probably the biggest success. Okay. I, I, now I have a um, two part question for you. What does an average day look like for you and how much uh, time do you spend throughout a single day just kind of planning for the business and planning the direction that you want the business to go? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I have a typical day and that's the way I want it, right? I don't want to just know exactly what my day is going to be, even though I go to some of these seminars and they say, you should block your calendar to do this a certain time. And, and I think some of that is definitely relative and you need to do that. Like when I was talking about having a calendar event for your content every day, you need to have, you need to prepare for that. But I'm a spontaneous person and I just like to, you know, sometimes I'll be in the middle of doing content and I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I'm gonna go get a new computer monitor and I'm gone, right? So yeah, yeah that's probably not a good thing. But, um, you know, a typical day is I do my very best to stay out of the operations of the business. You know, it doesn't work all the time, right? But I've got a great team. I've got a great director of operations who kind of runs the show. We recently hired a director of client retention who runs our account management team. Um, so we're getting him on board and getting, but he reports directly into the director of operations. But, you know, I still stick my nose in there and, you know, I look at what customers, how we communicate with clients, because we have a tool that we use to see, I can see, everybody can see all client communication in one place. 
And there are things that I see that sometimes I don't like. <laughs> so, you know, I'll get involved then. But for me, I really try to worry about new business growth because that's what I like to do, right? Sales type stuff. And then, you know, I try to look a year out and plan and guide the business of what I want to see, what I'm looking at there. And for right now, you know, we're doing contingency planning based on, you know, if this economy goes sideways and even if it was, if even if it doesn't go sideways, it's always good to stress test your business and look at things operationally of where you could potentially streamline some things. Um, you know, what happens if I lost 20% of my clients tomorrow, what would we do? Right. And so I'm trying to look at, you know, high level things like that, as well as, you know, who do we need to hire in the next 30, 60, 90 days, working with the operations team to, to see, you know, what's going on there. So really try to keep it high level, but you know, I do, I do drop down and, and get involved in the weeds when I shouldn't sometimes too. And how would you like for people to remember you as well as the company that you created? It's a good one. I've thought about that before. I think, you know, for me, it's, you know, been doing this for 13 years and, you know, we have, at least as far as I know, a really good reputation in the market. And I think it's, you know, I would want somebody to think about me or my company is, you know, they do the right thing first and then they worry about the money because I am a big believer that if you're doing the right things ethically and you're doing everything you can to help your clients first and foremost, that revenue will come, you know, success with money will come after that. And so I think that's probably how I'd want to be thought of. And, you know, what would you say that the future of kickstart dental marketing looks like to you? Hmm. And, you know, we've almost doubled in size this year in 2022 coming out of COVID. Um, I'm not sure that we want to double next year. That's probably something we could do, but I'm not sure we want to, if that makes sense. Don't get me wrong. We still want to grow because if you're not growing and if you're not marketing, then you're dying. That's it's absolutely the truth because I'll tell you a little side story really quickly. I thought it was pretty good. You know, we hit a million dollars, right? Which is awesome. Million dollars of revenue. And I got cocky and I started talking to my peer group about, you know, I mean, when is it enough? When, you know, maybe we can just stop selling and this is good and this is as big as we want to get. And some of the people that have been around a little bit longer than me kind of looked at me and shook their head and like, you'll see. And so I, I did that. I kind of slacked a little bit for a few months and we started losing some clients. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it now. You know, not everybody's going to be with you forever for a lot of different reasons. And you've got to always be out there. You've got to always be talking to people, even though if you've hit your goals, you're ready to go. You've got to be prepared for the next turn in the road. And by doing that, you've got to be marketing. You got to be creating content. And so even though I don't want to be a $50 billion company, that doesn't mean we still don't want to grow. So we're looking at next year as, you know, probably 50% growth is, is about where we want to be. Um, you know, I, I, I see that happening. Um, and then, like I said, we, we use pods. So every, every pod that we have is how we're set up. Every pod kind of has 30 to 40 clients in it. So I'm thinking next year we'll probably fill up one new pod. That's awesome, man. Chris. Thank you so much for your time today, man. And thank you for sharing some very valuable and actionable information with myself, man, as well as the listeners. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to put this into action. So, you know, thank you. Absolutely, Wesley. I appreciate your time.